Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. I know where I'm at. And you did that with Walk Between the Raindrops. Back then, Edge of Quarrel. Back, what's his name, Edge of Quarrel? Oh, Dave, Dave Larson, who we what? actually talk about you in the Edge of Coral interview, because I, I actually distribute Edge of Coral. Okay. There's something else I wanted to talk with you about later. But wait, before I forget, yeah, I, need to, I, need to, I need to ask this. So here, we got the beautiful God Money DVD. My question for you is this. You got Blink-182, you got Pennywise, uh, Downer, I even forgot Downer was on this, and I was just at John's house the, the other day. MXPX, Stainsaker, Rollins Band. Darren? Was it a nightmare getting all that music in one place? Um, I'm kind of forgetting how on earth I even did it. You know, it's kind of like when you look at, you know, I, I grew up drawing and wanting to be a comic book artist. And you look at work that you did when you were like 13, 14 years old. You go, how did I spend so much time doing that, right? I look back at that. And to me, that was going to college. I learned about, you know, master use and sync licenses and attorneys and, you know, how do you get the rights to the stuff and what do you pay? And then Pennywise found out I paid 15 grand for a Descendants song. And Pennywise said, well, we're not going to be less than the Descendants and something like that, you know. And it was like learning about all this stuff. Is that why they weren't on that cassette sampler that you handed out for the... uh who well, that I handed out? You handed out, yeah. Um, <laughs> who who wasn't on it? Pennywise or Descendants? It was uh, Pennywise. Was not was not on it. Yeah, I think that's why. I think it was. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 probably why. But no, I just learned. I I always loved. I probably loved. Again, I probably should have been. Uh, I sh- I probably should have been something else other than a filmmaker. But filmmaking was the only thing I knew how to do. But I did all the business around everything that I did, and. You know, probably was focused more on business than I was my actual craft, which is why I probably never, to this day, I've ever felt comfortable on the set. I was always thinking about everything else that I had to do. But yeah, I don't know how I even got all that. I mean, I I, I remember being, I was probably with you, and we were like still getting a master copy of like a Fireside song, not Fireside, Farside. Yeah, there might be a Fireside song on there, but Farside, <laughs> like, and which, by the way, I think it's one of my favorite Farside songs of all time. That's on that soundtrack. Like, I don't even know how we got that song. Well, and that song would then go on to be covered by Gaslight Anthem, and it would be like, yeah, yeah, like it's it's crazy. Because that was an unreleased track, right? That was an yeah, unreleased it was, track. It was. I hope you're unhappy. 
That's right. Yeah. Okay, you see, so it's like, I don't even know how I did it, but I learned I, I had a really good lawyer at the time. I think a woman named Stacy Fass who kind of became like a mentor to me on like legal things. Like it just, it was just way too much. I was always in over my head. It, I've, I've, I've never not been in, in over my head. You know that. You've seen me in over my head. Well, um, I, I have just a few more questions for you. One, one of the things, speaking of being in over, over our respective heads, when we did Black Friday, like, it's, it's pretty amazing. So you and I wrote that script in a week. Yep. And then um, I remember before we did that, I remember kind of like... Your keys, your keys were so loud. <laughs> you in my house... Game. That was the boxing game. That was game. the boxing game. You would then play the boxing, and it was <laughs> so loud. I'll never forget. I'll be like, Evan, people don't realize we kind of lived together. I'm going to tell yeah. you a story about the boxing game. Earlier in the day, we talked, and you said, you know what? You're like about a 10, like good for like a roommate. So then later that night, I'm playing the boxing game. I'm slamming the keys from, from, from upstairs. You just... All I saw was sort of a little bit of your body upstairs, and you go, "You're now at a two. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, okay, okay." Um, it was great. I think I may have lost because I wasn't able to be like in my in oh my, my gosh in the uh, game. But I remember one of the things that you really taught me on that was because one of the things that you were even preaching back then was just the idea about people being afraid. You said they're not afraid of failure; they're afraid of success. Right. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And because. You you call me up and you say, "Listen, I'm going to give you three grand. I want you to I want come up here and write the script. Soon as we'll get it done, and you're paid and leave." Yeah. And I was like, "I was like, great." Yeah. But, but then you told me what it was about about bio-nuclear war. No, I'm sorry, biotechnological warfare. And yeah, weapons and yeah. And I remember I was like I was like Darren, I can't do it. Like right. I'm not going to be able to do it. And you and you were like Evan, like like. I, I think this is something that's always hurt you as a writer is that like the audience only knows what we tell them. So if you tell them this crazy thing that's going to blow up a house exists, because remember it was like a, yeah. wasn't it an explosion that sucked back yeah. into the, into the yeah. house? Yeah, that's right. And I, I guess my question it's for imploded, you is... imploded. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um... My my question for you was: You had a lot riding on you for that for yeah. that movie. Yeah. Like like, how were you able? Because we were also stuck at one point. I think we took your dog for a walk, and that's how we came up with the whole switch about how Gary's character goes into prison and yep. whatnot. And we were and we 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 had this whole thing that he was sort of in on what was happening in the uh, house. Right. Yeah. By the way, I have like multiple copies of Black Friday, like right here. Oh nearby. my gosh! But. Um, because I used to, I would see them at Walmart, and they were in the slam moment. Do I have a hold on? Hold on, I want oh I want to get out to show you. Hold on, where is it? Come on, Black Friday. I know that it's here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got this one. I got this one from Blockbuster. Turn it. Oh, there you go. Your, oh, there you go. Sorry, sorry. I got, yeah. I got, I got. Yeah. I got so Look excited. at that. Look at that. Not a but, bad. Um, it's not a bad cover. No, look, and then we got the back, and like, back. what's going, what's going on? Which was, by the way, there's no tunnel in the movie. There's no sword in the there's movie. No so there's no sword. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Darren, I'm, I'm saying you were like kind of, you really like illuminated uh, it for me. And so my my question is because you really made me also realize he took the sword from the guy. 
He took, remember, he, oh. he took the sword at one point. Okay. Oh, no, okay. was that Ides of March? No, it was Ides of March. Sorry, you're they, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I almost wrote Ides of March. It there's very, no, there's very no... You're not writing it, but like kind of rewriting it. Yes. But at one point, and it's still odd to me that this happened, you and Ken gave me a script surviving in today's world. Do you still have it? Life. Do you still have it? I might have a copy of it. Like, it's, the only, it's the only movie I still consider maybe doing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, um, I'm going, which, okay, wait, you know what? I'm going to forget this question right now. You're, you did a thing. You're not making like, like feature films anymore. Right. You still make films. You just make, yeah. what, like, can you elaborate on that? Just in case if other people haven't, you know, seen that. Cause I was surprised to hear that just yeah. because when you and I met, that was the thing, you know, a feature film, a feature film, a feature film. Yeah, I think but, I think that's what I had to rethink, which was that there that there's a form of um, hedonism, which once you get to a feature, where do you go? Right, and it's it's a, it's a tough subject for me to talk about one be, one because you never want I don't believe you ever want to talk bad about your projects because your projects live with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and when people poop all over their projects, you're actually pooping on somebody who enjoyed it. Right. Right. But here's the thing. I don't think, um, I don't think I'm good at it. There, there's a, there's a. Wait, if you're not good at it, then well, what in the world am I doing? Well, hold on, hold on. I'm, <laughs> when I finished God Money, I knew I had all the abilities to be probably a pretty darn good cinematic, like, I got the chops. Well, it like, got you a lot of work. Like, in terms of people wanting to work with you, they would yeah, see that movie. No, and, yeah. no, I remember getting comments from Fincher, and I remember getting comments from, um, what's your name? Did, um, um, American History X, um, and, but, you know. Dude, but you had executives that yeah. were like, hey, let's I get did, yeah. to do I, because they knew that you could deliver. Yeah, it was like, this kid can direct. Like, this kid can direct. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I had that. And agents talking and talking with studios. And I was in those meetings. And I, I knew. But the thing was, even that early on, I kind of knew that to keep going that direction, I was probably going to go insane in that when you start to think about doing a movie, you really have to block out the entire world. You you get so myopic and to be a genius, you have to leave everything and everyone. And I knew pretty early on, like, man, this is gonna be if I go down this route, like I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm coming out. It wasn't like it wasn't a um an excuse not to work hard. But the process of what it took, I didn't. Th- I just didn't think I was good at it. Like I didn't think I was made for it. Even though I made ten more movies, I kept trying to find the way in which I was was going to create. And so I did four two K right after that. Five days. Yep. Very little money. On film, though. On, on film. I mean, on, and that's something that you can't, like, like, yeah. like that, that would be even harder now. Right. And you did it then when everyone right. was, I'm saying I was yeah. shooting an 8mm video on yep. TV, you know, like, yeah. It just, I never felt 
uncomfortable. Again, I probably should have been an editor. I probably should have been a producer. I probably should have been everything else but a director. But because I was able to communicate, kind of look like I was semi-confident and I could, you know, I was kind of, and I, there was no other option. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be an editor in 1994 and have a right. career. It's like I had to do everything. So I just did everything. Again, I'm thankful for all the projects I've been able to make. I stand behind them. But I've never, I had never felt comfortable a day in my life walking on the set. I hated the process. What I always loved was improv, shooting really fast, like that stuff I loved. And so 20 something years later, I started, it was probably the Jason Mraz, I'm yours music video of just let's just go to Hawaii and shoot. That I, because you never stopped directing. You no, never, you never, no. like I'm saying, even with T. Darren, like even feeling that way, you talk about being comfortable, you were still directing, you were still making these movies. So, so is it, was it like that, feeling like that, even when you were in Hawaii doing, doing the Jason Mraz video? Like, no, like, no, that's when, well, because what happened a few months before that, or five, six months before that, uh, a good friend of mine, Peter King, who's now one of my business partners, I was, I, photography. Yeah, and and I, I and I was at I was at Hurley, and he said, "I want to take you out to Salba Land." I was like, "What Salba Land?" He's like, "Steve Alba." I was like, "Steve Alba, Steve Alba." He's like, "Still backyard skating." He's like, "I think we should make a show." So we just went out, and I spent months sh- just shooting on the HVX. I was composing, but it was in the mode. We're hopping fences and running from cops and filming, and I was documenting, but it was cinematic and something was happening. And I was coming back and I was editing and I was telling stories, and I was like, this is, this is fun. Like, like I had never felt so like, this is, this is, this is home for me. And then right after that, the Jason Mraz video pops up. And he didn't want to make a video. And I just said, what if we went to Hawaii and just filmed? He's like, all right. And we started making that video. And I, and I was having that same feeling being with Steve Alba. And I was like, oh, I think this is, this is, you know, I don't talk a lot about this is what I was meant to do. But this was like, it was punk rock. It was grabbing your guitar or grabbing the drums and just playing it, just grabbing the camera. The technology was there with 24P and digital and lenses and 35 millimeter lens adapters. And I was like, I think I can shoot run and gun. I, I had all the, I had all the freedoms in me of a Jim Jarmusch or a Harmony Corinne. Like I wanted to be weird places with weird people but I knew that I could put the camera low and shoot something the way Kubrick would shoot it. Like I knew, I knew that it's not like I thought I was better, but I knew that there was very few people who could speak the language of a Harmony Corinne and a Kubrick. <laughs>